0: That is Super Hot Sticks, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you for inviting me.
0: You already have all these amazing awards. Why would you still feel the need to get a metric certificate?
1: Well, it was not even about the certificate. Mm. Certificate is paper. It's it's knowledge. Knowledge gives you power, mm. and power is not necessarily material. So it becomes a.
0: <sighs> <sighs> oh, Sorry, it's okay. It's such a big deal. Yeah, yeah. It's a big deal. Returning to school after decades of an illustrious, successful, and very public career, our guest is here to share his story. Let's unpack. Music legend Sipo Hotsticks Mabuse needs no introduction. As an award-winning artist with both local and international acclaim, one of the most interesting things about the Soweto-born artist was his decision to go back to school and get his matric at the age of 60. This is his story, let's unpack. Ndate Sipo Hotsticks, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you for inviting me.
0: Now, yeah. so many of us obviously know about your amazing career. But take us back to what was school like for you and the early years of your life?
1: Um, well, I thought I was going to be talking about music.
0: Mm-hmm. Now I a, realize that want I'm, to talk, about music I'm talking today. about
1: something else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's very interesting is that every time I see a show and I wave at you, you don't really wave
0: back. <laughs> I'll start waving. That annoys, annoys
1: me. <laughs> yeah. So you should know wherever you are that you're watching that I'm waving. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Anyway, yeah. Um, well, if we, we talk about school, mm. um, are we talking before, prior, or during, We're talking after?
0: primary. You know, when you were still in primary school, what was life like for you? Because people know, but we don't know what life was like.
1: Look, I grew up in Soweto like any other child. It was a normal life. It was a normal township life, going to school, sometimes banking school, you know. What were you banking all, for? Do, doing all the uh, Look, when you go to school at that uh, very early age, there is no determination as to what it is that you want to be. Mm. Although the parents might say, we want you to be a doctor, we want you to be a lawyer. Mm you are oblivious of all its stuff, mm. you know. You continue with your life as long as you're in class. You write and you mm. read and submit your tests and so on. That's basically the lifestyle at, at, at the early age. Obviously, when you go to higher primary, things start changing and there's a bit of shaping up and, mm. you know, then obviously the, the high school. Now high school is where you know your eyes are clearer you see everyone you see all the beautiful girls and you know your classmates and there's all this competitiveness around who's who's the brighter in the class and so on so you refocus your energies in actually advancing yourself better at school
0: but what what was your what would you say your relationship with education was like in those earlier years? Was your relationship with education something that you felt like you were forced to do, or it was something that you felt like you enjoy actually being in class and learning?
1: No, not at all. We're not uh, forced to. You you know, the educators of the time were quite pleasant people, determined, Mm -hmm. people with determination to educate the black children Mm -hmm. in particular. So you always looked forward to being with your Teacher, your principal. Even though you know there was uh, what you call corporal punishment. Yeah. He, I went to a primary school. You know, we had a teacher called Miss, hopefully Mrs. Molokume. Ah, narsa pagarula. You know, she used to use, of the uh, ends. She used to use the ruler with with you know with the with the with the the, the steel edges. Yes. And for uh, you, God. It was okay though. We enjoyed it. It was mm. part of it was part of growing up because she knew that if you didn't do if she didn't do it at home, they'll still do it differently yes. though, you yes. know. Yes. And I must say that I I was somewhat privileged that I, were, I never really got hiding, that much hiding yeah. at home.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and I, we all enjoyed going to school. Mm. I think many of us were always looking forward to waking up going to school, even though every now and then there would be that banking and so on. Mm. But really the the principals and the teachers were such warm hearted, welcoming people that made us enjoy school. Mm. They made us want to go to school. And for different reasons, you know, there was always this competitiveness about guys like Eugene, Steve and so on, who are mathema- master mathematicians and mm. so on. So School was wonderful. It was great.
0: You know, it's interesting you say that because uh, I think about, you know, your generation of which my parents are a part of, which some of their experiences... Really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Some of them were like, yo, this teacher, that would make school so hectic for us. Yo, this So uh, it's refreshing to hear you say that it was so... Uh, uh, it was a lovely experience for you. Do you recall at the time, what your feelings were towards learning subjects like Afrikaans?
1: You know what was very interesting? And, and this is the issue that, you know, some of us always engage on, you mm-hmm. know, with, with regards to Afrikaans. I guess Afrikaans became part of the township lingua yeah. for many of us, you know. Onset Totsital Hapraten, it was never an issue because we didn't feel that it was oppressive. Mm. Although we understood that the rulers of the time emphasized it as a language until they felt that they want to enforce it. I think that's where the reaction came about. Mm. Afrikaans was never really an issue until such time that the, the Nationalist Party decided... Well, you will learn mathematics, you will learn Haskidoness, Artexkande and mm. all those in Afrikaans and enforcing it. That's where the problem was. Mm. But mm. English Afrikaans, home languages were were part of a pleasant situation that we have, including woodwork by the way. Mm. You know, mm. a lot of people think when you did woodwork you were not smart. Mm. You know, I went to one of our woodwork masters at Mr. Shabangu's funeral. And at the, at his funeral, our math teacher, Mr. Somo, mm. said, what people do not understand, unless you understand mathematics, you will not do woodwork mm. because everything is about measurement. Mm. It's only then that I realized, wow, you know, we may have understood. Because measurement... It's part of everything that you do. If you want to cook, you know, domestic mm. science and so on, you want to do your garden, it's all about measurements. Mm. And that's part of mathematics. It's only then I realized that, you know, there's more to other subjects rather than the how we, we associate ourselves with.
0: Mm. Yeah. Were, th- were there any well-known uh, people or public figures that were in school with you, you at that time?
1: There were so many of them. At. Some of them are in parliament, you know, mm. and some of them. I mean, the president, for instance, current mm. president, Sarah Ramaphosa, was my junior. I may not have been in the same school, mm. but he was at Sikanondwana. I was at Orlando West High School. Mm. There was Dumanjov from Obango. He was at Sikanondwana. was at mm. Orlando High School. Justice who was at Orlando High. I was at Orlando West High School. Mm. So there were all these people, the Peter Wundlas, all these people who are very successful today, were our peers at that particular time mm. because we 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 were somewhat uh, in the hands of great headmasters like Dr. S.K. Matsike, Dr. Kambule, mm. Hauma Tabate. These were like great principals. So mm. many of the people who who had advanced themselves educationally belonged to that generation. And I'm quite proud and probably have been privileged to be in that space at that particular time.
0: So at some point you were introduced to music and an opportunity presented itself for you to actually start performing and then talk us through that time in your life where you made the decision to actually leave school.
1: You said you won't speak about music. (laughs)
0: I I was economical with the truth. Okay.
1: (laughs) You know, I became a musician by default. Mm.
0: Tell us that story.
1: Frankly, because i had always wanted to be an academic. Mm. But, you know, at some stage, things became just uh, difficult because of my parents' separation and so Mm -hmm. on. So there was no um, proper guidance. Mm. You know, when you're in that kind of space, you make your own decisions about things that you want to do. Perhaps it was God's decision, was God's choice that I got into music. God knows what would have happened if I didn't get into music. Mm. You know, township life is very, very um, unpredictable. Mm. You know, you interact there and you engage in with strange characters, and you find yourself in one of them. Mm. I mean, some of my schoolmates at some stage were, high, you know, they were what you call maginta, like mm. you know, type of guys that would go and do heists and so on. Mm. These were university students, high school students. Mm. And uh, thankfully, I became a um, musician. I met wonderful guys in Selbin Tuli, um, al Kaudi, Monty, and Arthur. And uh, I wasn't part of a group that was requested to perform, you know, as a talent uh, search type of thing at school. Mm. I came in the following day when some of my classmates told me, how mm. because they knew that I loved music a lot. There were some guys who were performing, why were we not part of the Masikiboma? I don't know who they were. And the following day, I went to school. Of course, I had bunked school the, night, the day before. Mm. And uh, I met, as I was walking home, I saw these guys, very neat, well spoken, you know, affluent. You could tell that they came from affluent backgrounds. Mm. And uh, it was Selby, Selby and Julie, Arthur and Alec, and uh, Selby was Kaya Mashangu's uncle. Mm. So every time at lunch, that's where they would go. Now I didn't live very far from Kaya's home, so I joined them. And I said to Selby, "I believe that you you had a performance yesterday. I love music, but I'm only a cadet band drummer." And he said, "Yeah, well, we don't have a drum." I said, "Yeah, and I've never played a whole kit." Says no, come, come and join us. Mm. We needed drama. We have everybody except the drama. Mm. So you're part of the band. That's how I got invited. Uh, we started making this music at school. You know, Orlando West High School is patched on a hilltop. Mm. Every time, at, sometimes at lunchtime, we would go up there and pretend like we were the Beatles. Mm. And we would start singing all this pop music. And, and the women would go crazy over the Beatles. Because, like you said, when you walked in, oh, you're still handsome, the beaters <laughs> were like that.
0: Yes. You know,
1: that's how they, they saw us. And, of course, we had a great headmaster mm. who himself was a music composer, Dr. S.K. Matsuke. He loved us. He encouraged us. There were many singers at that school. There was Mara there was Igli Ditsi. The list is endless because mm. every time at assembly, they would lead us into song. So many of the school uh, people could, could sing there. I mean, they were opera singers. Some of them even came up. the late Sponiela Kumalos were part of that school, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so on. So we, we then formed that band mm. called The Beaters. We didn't even realize that as we were growing and developing that we were losing time at school. Mm. Because on Sundays, we would be at Orlando DOCC performing. We packed up every venue. We would go out and perform at high schools, invited. Our first high school invitation came from Irvin Koza, Mm. who was a student in Morris Isaacson, you know. And, uh, yeah, we we gave an amazing... So all the high schools, and so it... Knew this band. Mm. And the media, of course, the journalists, those who we consider the bright pack of journalism, Obra Agri, Sydney, Sidney Matlaku, Doc Pekicha, the list is, you know, uh, uh, I mean, was, these journalists could write. Mm. And all of them were musicians. Mm. They were trained classically musicians. So they would love these high school. Boys. Mm. For, for them, the fact that we came from high school as a, as, as a band meant more than just being musicians. Mm. They, they liked the fact that we came from, we, we had an education. And uh, we used it. We used that uh, background to communicate correctly, if I may say. And uh, uh, because we read quite a lot and we spoke. In English and of course Selby's father being uh, we used to we used to call squire. Mm. He was an educator. So and he was known because they all came from Sapphire Town and so on. So it made it easier for us to be appreciated through the media and so mm. on. And we have we had competition from some of the bands like the All Round Us, the In-Laws, the Anchors, the Souls from Alexander, the TNTs, the Rex Rabani's band from, uh, yeah, you know, that was that competition. So our music evolved Mm. from that soul to soul music thing that was happening at that time. And we became a very conscientious band politically because Mm. of things that were happening. And, uh, you know, musically, that's how things happened. And the rest is that I've pursued the music. And Harare, became, we, we we toured Zimbabwe mm. as a group. Then it was Rhodesia. Mm. And the struggle there was intensifying. And at home, there was a groundswell of black consciousness. Mm. Steve has just been murdered, mm. you know, and uh, the students had been writers and so on. So we were caught up in that. Mm. And we realized that our role could work in the art space Mm. to advance the struggle through the songs that we were making. And we changed our name from the Beatles to Harari. And once we became Harari, everybody went wild because the music that we presented was never heard of, Mm. you know. But what was very interesting is that when we toured the the continent, we had music that we had never been exposed to Mm. in this country because Mm. most of it came from England, England, Americans and so on, and uh, Harari became a household name. Mm. The rest is that we we became such a household name that sadly, in 1978, Selby died. Mm. So I I had to take leadership, and uh, we we made success of it.
0: So this whole time that um, you know the band grew. You were touring. You were becoming known. You know, you were now in the mainstream media. School just fell by the we wayside. Forgot. We
1: forgot about there was something called school.
0: And at home, no one was saying. And then my mother was long... very
1: angry and upset. And
0: she... You know,
1: I must say that my father never really had education, but he loved reading newspapers. Mm. I guess the the the. Uh, his bosses who came from England would always advise him he must always read a newspaper. I don't know how he managed to read because he was never really in the class, mm. but he was always carrying a newspaper coming home. My mother had a bit of education, and because she came from KZN, mm. where education was so important,
0: mm.
1: I mean, they had schools like Inanda, Adams College, Oślange and so on. So because she came from that space, she was aware of the education that was going on around. She had wanted to send us to those schools, my brother and I. But I guess for some reason, my father didn't want us to go there. Mm, mm. So we had forgotten about school as the Beatles and high school. And my mother was very upset. Mm. Of course, she was angry until I bought her a home. She said, no, you can (laughs) (laughs) continue.
0: That you got me, home. <laughs> so now the the career grew and grew, and we know with the music industry, it relies more on talent than it does on qualifications. So yes. you know there was nothing. Uh, I, I I would assume at a point where you felt like yo, I need to go back. So now, decades passed, literally decades. What was it within you that then suddenly decided? you know, maybe I need to consider going back. Or was it always in the back of your mind?
1: Always been in the back of my mind. I had always admired people that had education. Mm. I've always felt that, you know, there was a gentleman who lived around my neighborhood. He went to school, lived over a hue and so so on. That man used to drink. He was always drunk until he speaks here. Mm would make you he would make you look sound foolish mm. because he was so bright mm. and uh, I mean this guy knew people like oR tammbo so forth. this was a group that went to Rosetownville to the that popular St Peter's College mm. so most of them were so when you have such um neighbors you invariably become influenced by They are are demeanor. Mm. Uh, I mean, when you live in a society where you have principals, doctors, lawyers, uh, scientists, Mm. I mean, Gordon Sabia, Wellington Chazabani who was murdered by the apartheid system, you are in an environment which says, yes, this is it. This is education. This is the only thing that you have. You know, yes, we may have been successful as musicians, but then you you look at admirably at these people and you think, I want to be like them, mm. you know. And um, thankfully, I lived in Soweto, where I would see people going to school all the time. Mm. And I just decided I want to go and finish my matric.
0: Now, some would say, because at the time when you actually did complete your matric, you were 60 years old. Some would have said how. But why? You, you got it to getting an honorary doctorate, and I'm putting it out there. Honorary doctorate for this man, please. You're... Wait until I get my doctorate. Real <coughs> okay, one. There we go. There we go. <coughs> you, you got it to getting, you know, uh, an honorary doctorate. You already have all these amazing awards. Why would you still feel the need to get a metric certificate?
1: Well, it was not even about the certificate. Certificate Mm -hmm. is paper, Mm -hmm. but that paper, whether it has any meaning or it's worthy of anything, is immaterial. I guess that's how a a society had created it that that piece of paper would determine one's uh, status in education. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe that, maybe correctly so. But um, I think if people understand what it means to have a certificate is that the amount of work that one puts into studying, reading, learning and everything so that at the end of the day someone says you qualify, this is what, you know, it it qualifies the time you spend in actually putting all that together. Mm. For me, it was more about It was more than just the certificate itself. Uh, Look, I knew I could deal with a lot of things personally and so on. But I wanted to further empower myself through knowledge. Mm. Education is not about just the certificate. It's about empowering, uh, you know, uh, people. It's it's knowledge. Knowledge gives you power. Mm. And power is not necessarily material. Mm. A lot lot of people imagine that power is material. It's not. We have so much um, put uh, emphasis on material money Mm. as though it gives power. It has very limited power because what it does, it fizzles at some stage. It can end. Mm. But does your power end? No, it doesn't Mm. because it's something that you carry with you everywhere you go. So I felt it necessary for me to you know, uh, to advance myself through education. I, if I may have to confess, I am an avid reader. I buy books almost like I'm buying, I don't even buy clothes as much as I buy books, Mm. Mm. you know, like I used to buy CDs and so on. Mm. Um, It helps me understand the world for what it is. It also enables me to, Engage with people or like-minded people better. Mm-hmm. You know, it. It. Uh, I was referring um, to someone that I knew who who, who used to live in my neighbourhood as I was growing. Mm-hmm. You know, he had gone to school with people like Fumisigela, uh, or Brakheifas, uh, or uh, sorry, Brachonas uh, Kwangu, or Artambo and so on mm-hmm. at St Peter's College. That man used to drink like mad. Mm-hmm. But when he spoke, then you understood that, wow. I mean, he, he would be employed to be an interpreter at court. He always tells a very interesting story that, uh, you know, he came to court at some stage and he was a bit tipsy, mm. you know. And because he had to interpret it, what well, you know, it's it's him. Mm. speaking to this guy, and this guy said, "Jela, oh mind you would not you." you know. And he eventually said to the magistrate, I am sorry, my lord, I am drunk, (laughs) you know, which meant the guy himself. You know what I'm saying? It was that level of intellectual advancement that he applied in his work Mm. that made him way above everybody else. Mm. So I was encouraged and inspired by such people. Mm. And maybe that's the reason that when I look back, I said, I need to be like them. I need to empower myself through education and so on.
0: So yeah. when it when it comes time to you saying I'm gonna go back to school, because I'm sure there are people who are watching right now who haven't completed, you know, their high schooling and aspire to do what you did. How did you go back to school? Was it night school or was it distance learning? What was the no, route it that was you took?
1: Late afternoon school, you know, mm. yeah, after hours and uh, but I went there during the day because even during the day there were there were classes, there were lessons. Mm. And when I, w- I remember walking in there and, I mean, the excitement of seeing hot sticks, mm.
0: Mm.
1: you know, people forget, you know, start getting all excited. And, How? Why are you in school? Why, why are you here? They thought I'd come for something else. I said, ma'am, I came to enroll. I want to come and finish my matric. She said, huh? Mm. You're coming to do what? I said, I want to be a student. Mm. said, What is it that you want to know that you don't know already? Mm. I said, please put me in class and then you'll see what it is that I do not know. I mean, this this teacher was like, this is quite strange. But anyway, and then the principal, of course, uh, came here and he was pleased. He was happy Mm. that then for them, it would probably inspire or motivate others who had already given up to say, I think you'd become this role model for us because we're trying to always instill this thing with many of the students who had already given up to say, Mm. you can still go back Mm. and, uh, you know, complete your metric. And strange enough, after that, I was called in to say the enrollment just shot up. Mm. There were many who believe that, you know, it's possible to go back and, and finish metric. And if it was my contribution then to uh, letting black children understand that education is more power than money, Mm. I am privileged to have done that.
0: What were some of the challenges you faced? Um, I can imagine not having been in school for decades, now having to reshift your mind into the headspace. That's of, true, yeah. You know, what were those challenges?
1: Yeah, there was quite a number of things that were happening. Remember this, at when we were at school, there were no cell, cell phones or, you know, there was no freedom.
0: Mm.
1: You know, I mean, you come into a classroom, there's all this engagement, um, nonsensical engagement. People just think they can talk. And make noise during a class and mm. so on. And the phone rings, someone picks it up. Hello, <laughs> you know. And then you think, okay, is this and the teacher can't say much. Mm. Then what I did, I said, no. I you know, my my old instinct kicked in. I stood up and I raised my hand, I said to the teacher, could I please be the monitor in class? <laughs> <laughs> And all of them looked at me and said, "Monitor, what is the monitor?" I said, "Watch." And I stood up. I said, "Okay, guys, I am the monitor. I am going to be." And these were like young people, teenagers, teenagers. Yes, some of them young enough to be my probably my grandchildren or my yes. children. Yes, they were looking around. Doctor in Cayenne. I said, "Okay, guys, let's 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 do this. We're all here and wanting the same thing, right? We all want to study." We're all here because we want our metric. Mm. Silence. I said, now, from now on, no cell phone is going to ring in class. If the cell phone rings, you go out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I have as much right to tell you that, as much as you'd have to, the right to tell me what it is. It, trust me. The teacher looked at me and he said, I wish we had more like you. Mm. And started respecting that. They walked into class they switched off the phone. And those who started with me at that time were motivated, were inspired and I trust they all did well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: These were some of the challenges I mean, walking to school every day. I didn't use a car and you know being there and people would like again yeah, old or be now old. And some of them would be too, you know, you don't
0: <laughs> I love
1: that. <laughs> it was so funny. and I said, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, it was it was quite interesting. Yeah, and, yeah. And But I was also emotional when I received my results. I literally cried hmm. because I knew that uh, metric for many is a,
0: Big step. Mm.
1: You know, you'd know you've read in the past that some students had committed suicide because they didn't get that metric. Mm. So it becomes a. ah,
0: Sorry. It's okay. It's such a big deal. Mm, yeah, Yeah. It's a big deal.
1: Yeah, some of them do commit suicide.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, for me, it was. One of those things.
0: And I was going to ask you, I'm also you making me emotional with you, like what does it represent? Because you were saying earlier, it's just a piece of paper, but we know people have lost their lives because they didn't get that paper or because they didn't get the marks that they wanted to. So what for you did it represent when your results came out and you realized that you passed?
1: It is the number of, the amount of work that one had to put in, mm. you know, the hours that you spent, you know, and uh, the focus of the energy that you put together to be able to just get that paper.
0: Yeah, yeah. What subjects did you actually take?
1: Um, well, I had to do English. I did uh, Sesoto mm-hmm. because sometimes we ignore vernacular at our own because when you have to speak to certain people in your own language, you find that you know little about that. Mm. And I did economics as well, and uh, I did biology, Mm. and I did history, and geography, because I travel quite a lot. Mm. And I wanted to do subjects that with... um, that mattered to me. Mm. You know, I was not going to try and be a mathematician or scientist because I was not going to dwell into those. Mm. I traveled a lot. I need to understand biology. I need to understand economics because of the industry in which mm. I operate in and how people operate and conduct control my money. Mm. So those are the subjects that I felt were
0: important for me were you um i know you it was an emotional moment for you but did you feel proud of yourself of course
1: mm. indeed i i felt very proud but i also felt maybe i did what what is correct for this country yeah it's my little contribution however little it is it is that kind of contribution that says it is possible
0: yeah yeah i think at the time when you matriculated, the then-president, uh, Jacob Zuma, acknowledged you.
1: He what did he say? He actually said, my friend. I said, Eita. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, my friend who went to school and mm. proved. But I think that was actually even motivated more by Blade and mm. Blade was behind all that. And uh, I don't know at the time who was, uh, uh, I think... Minister N.G. Mutzaka yes, was for probably ba- the Minister of... Uh, basic Education. Basic Education. They they actually motivated for that because it was important for them. Mm,
0: mm. It
1: was for them, it was something which they could use to motivate young people or those who may already have felt that you know, we cannot continue with this.
0: Mm.
1: And, uh, of course, the president was the one that was to speak about it. Mm. And I I was honoured in a way Mm. that, you know, finding myself in that room full of intellectuals, lawyers, politicians, and so on, and then I'm I'm spoken up in it. And of course, remember, that is watched by the entire country and probably some of people around the world. Mm. So when he spoke about it, it meant a lot to a lot of people. And if it meant... It's a contribution that I was making to the country, and I am uh, pleased.
0: Where would you like to go with your education? Because now you've proven that the sky's the limit. You already said earlier that the next qualification is your doctorate. <laughs> so what's the next one?
1: You know, I enrolled after that, because interestingly, all universities have offered me, you know, space. Yes, you know, I received one from Bloemfontein, I received one from UNISA, UJ, and so on. And because of the work that I was doing, I enrolled with UNISA, and I did a year. Mm. And then after a year, I deferred because there was just too much work. Mm. You know, when you suddenly are attracting performances all the time, mm. recordings, interviews, and, you know, it somewhat impacts. Mm. It affects your focus on the work at hand that mm. he is studying and so on i still have my my books and you know and hopefully you know when all this work you know incidentally after the covid mm. suddenly it's almost like every i'm i'm inundated with calls mm. i guess because many of my peers unfortunately have passed on mm. i probably remain one that represents that generation. Yeah. And there's so much demand of my time and space and so on. So it somewhat pushes back my mm-hmm. my intentions to continue with it. But trust me, God willing, and I live up to a 100, when I'm 100, I'll have my doctorate.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, I will be there applauding you, I think, your story is so beautiful and so admirable. And I think about how many of us in our homes, our parents, our grandparents did not get the opportunities to get educated because the system worked against them. And it's so inspiring, not just for young people, but for anybody that they can really go back and have, be able to have that moment that you had that was so triumphant And emotional and beautiful, and to know it's a culmination of years and years and years for you to get to that point in your life.
1: You know, one of the things that I, that also inspired and motivated this, is that I had always pushed for my children to get educated. Yes. And I realized that I cannot be the one that says, get an education when I'm not leading by example. They're very proud of me that, you know, while they have their degrees and everywhere and, you know, I decided to go back. That for me is like a motivation for them. And because I had insisted that, and thankfully, you know, The kind of work that I do, music, had put me in a position where I was able to provide them with the best of education. Yes, yes. And if they do nothing after that, I'm not responsible. Yeah. I've given them everything that they, you know, I did not get at that time. So after that, it's up to them what they do
0: with it. What would you like to share um, in terms of your final words from this conversation that you'd especially like the viewers to know?
1: I'd love to say to the young people, when you embark on going back to school to study, the focus should not be, I'm going to school because I want a better job. Mm. It's not about that. You want power. Mm. And that power comes from that education. Also, you know, because of the situation that the country finds itself economically and so on, Young people are out of jobs. They are not Mm. finding a lot of jobs. And I know how disheartening that is that you go to school and uh, at the end of the day, you don't get a job. But what education will do, it puts you in a pole position. Mm. You know, you're in a pole position to get that job when Mm. it comes up Mm. because you've got the right skills, you've got the the education. Of course, the challenges we, we will overcome. But never give up on education as a backbone for for strengthening your, your your future.
0: Dr. Hotsticks, always a pleasure talking to you. I absolutely admire your career, everything you've achieved, but this part of your life is mind-boggling and just absolutely beautiful that you were able to do that for yourself but also for us we are exceptionally proud of you and Ralevoha, that you came through to talk to us
1: oh you
0: had to say hashtag unpacked with Ralevohile. truly an inspiring conversation i hope those of you that are watching it is never too late if Hot Sticks can get his matric at the age of 60 with a career and we're going on all at the same time, what excuse do the rest of us have? Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a good night. Next time on Unpacked. I didn't sign up for being asked about my disability. I just yes. wanted somebody that I can build, you know, life with.
1: So I wanted to get to know her and mm. not her disability, of course.
0: And then I remember when I met him, uh, he trying to push me so I'm like no, no she okay. wasn't
1: <laughs> she like i can I'm like, do it no, myself no i want to
0: see you because if you're behind me now i can't see
1: she touched my heart uh, she's full of kindness compassion you know uh, caring